Sean is a fresher breath there. He just loves chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. The stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation. Welcome, everyone, to Mini Witty 2, the Witty Boogaloo episode of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter and Instagram, and follow everything Built in Buffalo is giving you every single day Bill's content and the best Bill's content at that. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere. It's a takeover at Built in Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Toe. Uh, Tony? Tony. Sorry. Sorry, Witty Nation. One second here. It looks like uh, we're missing Tony. Uh, Witty Secretary, where is, where's Tony? Sidebar, sidebar. Yeah, I know he isn't here. Don't get smart with me. Outlook? You sent him an Outlook reminder? Nobody uses Outlook anymore. You probably sent it through Internet Explorer too, right? Yeah, of course you did. It's never going to get that. Sorry, folks. We hired a new secretary here at Woody Headquarters. Just just working out some kinks. Who do you think is going to do the song now? Me? You want me to sing? Oh, no, 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 no. Last time that happened was at Mr. Goodbar, and we do not talk about that night. Ever. Never, ever talk about that night. Sorry, folks. Again, how embarrassing. Just just one second. We're just we're working through some things here. You think a great product like Manscaped is going to sponsor us if we can't get schedules right for the hosts? Well, yes. Okay, good point. It's not called Manscaped. Okay, touche, touche. Good point. We'll discuss this later. All right, I am back, folks. Guess it's just me tonight. A whole lot of math for you. First time I'm riding solo, so closest I'll ever get to being Jason Derulo, other than how I weirdly announce my name every time I walk into a room. But you know one guy who will always have his schedule right is Marv Levy, the man, the myth, the legend, the great Hall of Fame coach. And as we do every week, we're going to send it to Marv in his docile, beautiful tones. Take it away, Marv. We'll be back, or I'll be back, after the break. am back listeners we start off our bills review the same way every week with the so bad it's good review here we go cue the music a tale of two half sunday as josh blind Mallon and the bills hope for no rain but patrick queen martin and the ravens d were singing in the rain holding the bills to three points in the first quarter lamar jack's son of dad was lopping the bills d up and down the field as they had their headzos up their damars hamlins but the second half turned into a beautiful day for me, the Bills, and you two as Stedge, Fon, Diggs, and the Bills offense gave us some pro bono vertigo riding high off a big comeback. 
Matt had his best Milano face going as J.K. Dobbins couldn't find any office space to run, and in the end, Edgar Allen Doway didn't let Devin Singletary fall into the end zone of Usher as Tyler Bass said, I want to make love in this dub, kicking the game-winning field goal as time expired. The team tablet is safe this week from Ken Dorsey's Fury, Bills 23, Ravens 20. And that is our Bills Review Week 4 Ravens. Uh, let's start by talking, listeners, about the comeback. Bills' first half, utter disaster. Mess of a game. Nothing was going right. Offensive line didn't seem to hold up very well. The receivers couldn't catch the ball in the wet weather conditions, dropping everything. Josh throwing a pick. It just felt like one of those games where the Bills were, it just wasn't their day. Nothing seemed to be going right for them. Every time the camera panned over to Josh on the sidelines, he looked defeated early on. You get this feeling watching it, just not our day. Pack it in, get out of there injury free, live to fight another week kind of mentality. Just wasn't our game. But like this season, Leslie Frazier and his defense were the shot in the arm, adrenaline boost that the Bills needed. They were Paul Walker and Fast and Furious hitting the nitrous. Like they needed that boost. The Bills D were Paul Walker RIP because just like they have this whole season, Bills D was on shutdown mode, giving up zero points in the second half. They've given up seven total points this whole season in the second half, not just in a game, in a whole season in the second half. And I've been a critic of Leslie Frazier in the past for not making halftime adjustments. This team in general, as a whole, this coaching staff as a whole in the past, I've been critical of them not making halftime adjustments. That has not been the case this year. It has not been the case on defense, especially. Offense has been good, pretty good making halftime adjustments. We had a couple of years ago, third quarter Josh Allen, where it just seemed like the Bills would come out and the offense would be on point. You go to the Jets home opener three, four years ago, I think at this point. Just nothing going for the first half. And Bills come out and I think score 17 in the second half. But the defense is the story this time, this year, this week, because they are the ones making the second half adjustments. They are holding teams scoreless most weeks. And players are stepping up. We're not going to talk about the 0-7 record in one score games that they broke this week because that was just a, such a small sample size because before that 0-7, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen and company were pretty good in close games, winning record in close games. So yes, close games are luck. Turnovers are luck. The way the ball bounces sometimes doesn't go your way. And again, that's how it seemed this game just wasn't going our way. But the Bills persevered. And that seems to be the story of the last two weeks, at least, perseverance. Last week, suffering a terrible loss to Miami where it just seemed like nothing was going their way. The weirdest game ever. Everyone passing out from heat exhaustion. We got the butt punt. Just the weirdest game. And this week, starting off the same way. Downpour, wet weather, nothing going our way. The perseverance was the shining light in the darkness here of these past six quarters. Because in the second half of this Ravens game, the defense was on lockdown. And you got guys stepping up. You got guys playing their role. Next man up mentality that Sean McDermott has preached throughout his tenure as the Buffalo Bills coach. That's why there's a defensive rotation. That's why you sign a guy like Von Miller for all that money. That's why you draft a guy high like Greg Rousseau. And yeah, there 
much better talents. And this, this is not taken away from the Shaq Lawsons and the Boogie Bashams and the AJ Epinesas of the world. But despite them not being as talented as the starting two, there's still a rotation because it's next man up mentality or for Sean McDermott and this whole Bills roster. And this D did it again. You got guys like Prince Amelie deflecting a pass that led to a Jordan Poyer interception. Prince Amelia, a guy from the practice squad, stepping in for Ed Oliver, stepping in for Tim Settle, who was a little knocked up. You got Brandon Bryant playing fantastic. If you look at any kind of tape breakdown, Brandon Bryant is a menace, taking up double blocks, beating those double blocks, disrupting plays in the backfield consistently. Why that guy is on a practice squad and why that guy hasn't been poached off our practice squad is one of the great mysteries of this world. <laughs> Because that guy can play in this league. That guy should be a key contributor on any team, any other 31 teams in this league. That guy is very, very good. You have Dane Jackson returning after two weeks ago, suffering one of the more horrific injuries that I've seen as a Bills fan happen to a Bills player. I was there when Kevin Everett became paralyzed. I saw a live, scariest moment as a viewer, as a fan of the game, as a fan of the Bills. Dane Jackson was on that level. The way his neck bent after Tremaine Edmonds inadvertently hit him. The way he was carted off the field. I didn't think that guy would be playing this year ever again. And I thought he literally cracked his spine in half. But he is back out there two weeks after suffering what seemed like a horrific injury. And he's playing at a high, high level. Making plays. Shutting down defenders. Lamar Jackson only had 144 yards passing in this game. One touchdown, two interceptions. That is a huge testament to this Bills D, to this Bills secondary, without Tredavious White, who is eligible to return this week to practice. They can activate him off the pup list this week. So very exciting on the Tredavious White front. Very exciting for Trey White Goalie Academy as well, because Sabres are rolling some questionable goalies right now. Need Tredavious White back. Secure the cornerback spot. Secure the Sabres goalie spot. Man's many talents, obviously. Christian Bedford, promising rookie. Very good. Started week one. As a sixth-round rookie over a first-round rookie, has been really, really good getting hurt, not playing this game. Guys stepping up. That is the name of the game. And even some core guys, even some names, household names. Tremaine Edmonds, we're going to go there. Tremaine Edmonds, I'm not a fan of. Listeners know that. A lot of people know that. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's a first-round talent. I don't think he's a talent that you trade up for. I think he's a very, very solid middle linebacker in this league. The thing that infuriates me with Tremaine Edmonds, I said it once, I'll say it again, I'll say it tonight, how he doesn't use his athleticism to his advantage. And we saw it on the, the running touchdown from the Ravens. For some reason, Tremaine Edmonds just, instead of using his athleticism to get around a guy, to find his gap assignment, he just bullheadedly runs into a blocker, <laughs> takes on a block for no reason. And it leaves a huge hole open. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. He's done this Throughout his career, I don't know if it was at a young age, he got some boneheaded coach <laughs> in Pop Warner football who just said, hey, Tremaine, the goal of football is to just hit someone every play. And Tremaine just makes a beeline to the first guy he finds to hit without diagnosing, without seeing where the ball is, without seeing where gaps unveil themselves. Tremaine Edmonds does that constantly. And then you look at Matt Milano, who's having a fantastic year to start off the season, just like he did last year before he got knocked up a little. And Seth Rogen knocked up, but injury knocked up. You see Matt Milano doing the exact opposite. You see Matt Milano using his athleticism to kind of skirt around blockers and make plays in the backfield. 
make tackles on running backs. And that's what you should do. When you're 50 to 70 pounds lighter than an offensive lineman, when you're running a 40, two and a half seconds faster than an offensive lineman, when you're running shuttle and cone drills seconds faster than offensive you use your quickness, you use your athleticism to make plays, something Tremaine fails to do. Tremaine has been very good at tackling this year. He's been very good at open field tackling. Week one against Cooper Cup made a great play this this week on a screen pass. I don't know if it was to Duvernay or Justice Hill, but again, Tremaine Edmonds one-on-one makes a great tackle. He's been good in that way. The splash plays are still few and far between, but he is improving. And credit where credit is due. I, I want him to be good. I do. I don't want to trash Tremaine Edmonds every time. I want him to be very good because him being very good means this team is very good. And his success means this team is successful. And he's been very good this year. I will give him credit. Does he deserve the money that top-tier linebackers get, Shaq Leonard gets, Roquan Smith gets? I don't think so. I don't think he's at that level yet. But he's improving. And that's a start. And we got to start somewhere. (laughs) But the Bills' defense, for all they had going against them, coming off a tough loss to Miami, suffering multiple injuries, on both sides of the ball. For them to turn around a week later and come out sloppy, flat, maybe a little lackadaisic, and to just turn it around, flip a switch in the second half to shut a high-profile offense in the Ravens down. That's a testament of, a, I think, a championship team for them to be able to do that. They didn't have their best game in the first half, not by any means, not even close. For them to flip the switch is a testament to their talent, it's a testament to their pedigree, it's a testament to their mentality, it's a testament to, for being as cliche as cliche can be, the process. And that's a great thing as a fan to watch too, because I was sitting there, I mentioned it a couple minutes ago, I was sitting there like, man, it's just not their day. It's not their day. And that's just me being a Bills fan for the past 35 years of my life, <laughs> honestly. Just triggered that way. I'm just just program that way. Say, man, it's just not the Bills' day. I think that's any NFL fan, really. When you just see your team just not catching any breaks, not catching any balls, as the Bills did, receivers did this game. Just things not going their way. Just chalk it up to just not their day. But this Bills team is different. They don't have, it's not their days. Because they can flip the switch on an instant. This offense is one of the tops in the league. They can score at will. And this defense is extremely talented where they can make adjustments, and they have good coaching behind them to make those adjustments. And that's a championship pedigree. Close your eyes for a second. Picture the Bills in the Super Bowl, and they get down, maybe two scores or so. Most of us would say, just not our day. Like, we had one shot, didn't bring it. We don't have to do that. That's a nice thing. If we get down, it's not like, man, this is over. Especially when it comes to playoffs, when it's one and done. If you lose, you're out. You're going home. You're heading the golf course or the fishing boat, in Gabe Davis's case. The Bills can flip that switch. They're never out of a game. And I need to learn that as a fan. I think a lot of people do. This isn't the Bills of the past. This isn't the roulette of quarterbacks who just don't have it. This is a special generational quarterback who has it and a whole lot more. And this offense can score a will. And this defense can make a play when we need them to make a play, except on third and 22 against Miami. But that's a whole other story. A lot of starters were missing. Weird game, as I mentioned. We'll excuse that. The defense is extremely good. Last year, they were number one in the league in whatever metrics you highly consider. They were number one. And this year, they're right back in that position. Leslie Frazier 
has done a tremendous job with his defense, and now he has the talent to back it up. Von Miller is worth every penny, even if he's not making a sack, even if he's not getting the sexy stats. He is doing enough to help every other guy on that defensive side of the football. From guys like Brandon Bryan and Prince Amelie, stepping up and being able to make a play and play at a high level. It's not just, oh, there's a practice squad guy. The air team's going to take advantage of him. No, these guys step in and step up. And you look at the other side of the line. Greg Rousseau, second year. Yeah, a lot of promises rookie year. Great at diagnosing plays. Great at run, stopping the run, holding the edge. Had to develop those pass rushing moves. Take the next step in the pass rushing ability this year. He's done that and more. Dominant at times. His length is a asset that he uses to his advantage getting his arms out not letting the offensive lineman get hands on him using that to his advantage using his quickness using that to his advantage Greg Rousseau has taken that next step and with that the Bills have taken a next step I think in terms of we're not the team that are it's not our day it's not our week chalk this one up live to fight another day come back learn from it no they've learned everything they've been to the playoffs three years in a row they've been to the AFC championship game two years ago They should have probably won the Super Bowl last year. They've been through it all. This isn't a learning experience for them. They've suffered adversity. They've faced adversity. They've learned from adversity. And now it's time to execute. And this is a team that executes. This team is never out, as I mentioned. Defense has been amazing. Played great Matt Milano again. I was on record as saying, like, last year we should probably consider him for Defensive Player of the Year the first month of the year. He was incredible, and he's just replicating that again this year. 13 tackles, two tackles for losses all over the field. When we drafted Tremaine Edmonds, it was the Carolina blueprint, right? Draft a middle linebacker who's highly athletic, sideline to sideline, can make plays all over the field. It's our Luke Keekley. That's who the Panthers had. That's who I wanted, that type of player. I remember watching Luke Keekley just make play after play after play all over the field. Well, there was a sack in the backfield. Was interception. Guy was a magnet to the ball. That's what I want Tremaine Evans to be. And he's not. And that's okay. Still a very solid player. Matt Milano is the closest equivalent we have to Luke Keekley, in my opinion. Guy who is always around the ball, making plays in the backfield, tackles for losses. One of the best coverage linebackers in the league. He is everything I wanted Tremaine Evans to be and more. That's not saying Tremaine Evans is everything I want Tremaine Evans to be. He's not. He's good. And I have to keep reiterating. He's not Matt Milano. Mavilano is uber important to this defense. Probably one of the more, if not the most important player to this defense. With everything he brings from a shooting the gap standpoint, from a making tackles standpoint, tackles for losses standpoint, from making splash play standpoint, from coverage standpoint. He does everything for this team. When he's injured, it is a noticeable difference when he is not on the field. He has been amazing. Defensive player of the year? It might be a reach, but most important defensive player on this team? That's an argument to be had. Jordan Poyer. Two more interceptions this week, four for the year. Pay the man <laughs> is all I can say. Again, just like Milano, there is a noticeable difference when he is not on the field. You saw it in the Miami game. As high as I was on Jaquan Johnson, as much as I thought Jaquan Johnson could step in and as a four-year veteran on this team, a guy in the same system for four years could step in and be not a, a replacement to Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer by any means, but be an adequate level player. Very disappointed in Miami for Jaquan Johnson. His hometown, the town he played college in, very disappointing. But this week we saw the importance of Jordan Poyer flipping that. We saw the importance of Jordan Poyer this week. So when he is in the game, he is a difference. He not only makes plays for this defense, but he makes, 
the opposition, the opposing offense, second guess what they're doing. He's that instinctual that he makes other quarterbacks second guess what they have to do. When second quarterbacks have to second guess what they do, it's not usually a good thing. That's when they usually get in trouble, when they're not in a rhythm, when they panic, when they think they see something that's not actually there. Jordan Porter can do that stuff. He can disguise coverage. He can come at safety blitzes, make the quarterback think, make him second guess, make him always wondering mentally where is Jordan Poyer on the field because he makes plays. So pay the man. Simple as that. Gregory Rousseau, I mentioned, taking that next step. Everyone just stepping up. And the offense did their part. Wasn't the sexiest offensive game? Didn't need to be. It couldn't have been. The rain was obviously a huge factor. Much like a lot of Bills games, the weather seems to be the ultimate X factor. Last year, too, the Bills, for the first, what, eight home games, I think, didn't have good weather. I think we had good weather in one home game last year out of the eight or nine we had, whatever. Bills just don't seem to have good weather. And Baltimore just doesn't have good weather in general. I've flown through Baltimore many a times for work. I've never flown out of Baltimore and been like, man, it's clear skies. I flew through a lightning storm out of Baltimore, scared to death. Shout out to that pilot because he was weaving in and out of those rain clouds, lightning clouds, like playing a game of Snake on a Nokia phone. Amazing pilot. But Baltimore never has good weather. So if there's like a come on man version of this episode, uh, it's the Baltimore weather. But the offense couldn't really do much. Josh Allen. Quiet, 213 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not a typical Josh Allen day. He also only threw 36 times, which isn't a typical Josh Allen day. He usually he's throwing 50-ish, unless you're in Miami and he's throwing 70 or whatever it happened to be in the end. And we saw good gains on the ground again. Josh Allen's contributing 70 yards. And that's when Josh Allen's at his best, when he is running. I feel like it just mentally puts him in this place that gets him in the game, that gets him in a flow, that gets him in a rhythm. When... Josh looks a little defeated, looks a little uncomfortable. I feel like Ken Dorsey's like, okay, now we're going to run the RPOs and Josh Allen's going to keep it. Gets him in trouble sometimes because defenses know Josh Allen's going to keep it. But I feel like it gets Josh Allen in the right mental state. It's a reset button for him, almost, running the ball. Devin Singletary, again, good showing. 11 carries, 49 yards, 4.5 yards a carry. He just needs to be the number one guy. Just ride Devin Singletary. I don't want to see Zach Moss unless there's an injury. James Cook has been extremely disappointing. We'll get into that in a little bit here. Just ride Devin Singletary. And he's added a new dimension to his game this year. And that's being a passing asset out of the backfield. Four catches for 47 yards. Last week, he had 90 plus yards leading receiver against Miami. He's added that element to his game, which is nice to see. He's not the fastest guy. He'll never be the fastest guy. But what Devin Singletary does amazingly well, and I will say this till I'm blue in the face, and this is why I love him. I don't need him to bust out 50-yard run. It'd be nice. Who wouldn't want that? I need him to turn negative three-yard carries into two yards, and he's very good at that. He's very good at negating negative play, whether it's that one little cut in the backfield due to a missed block that he needs to make. He's very good at turning negatives into positives. And that's what I need from not a bell cow back by any means, but a very serviceable back in Devin Singletary. Offense didn't need to be great. Defense stepped up. Offense was great when they needed to be. That last drive was phenomenal. Yeah, Josh had to go 19 less yard, which was key. But he still drove him all the way down the field. Still drove him down to the one. So it was a 20-yard field goal instead of a 39-yard field goal. Super impressive from this offense. But I want to get to, as we wrap up the first month of the season, the Bills 3-1. and one, Very good position. I, when the schedule was released, when the season started approaching, 
I said three and three after the first six weeks was serviceable because they could really, after the bye week, run the table. They can win 10 out of 11 games. So three and three would be great. You go 13 and four, that is perfectly fine. That definitely in play for a number one overall seed in the AFC. This first half of the schedule was always going to be tough. You start off with the reigning Super Bowl champs. You move to the last year's number one seed in the AFC, down to Miami, which is never easy. Josh makes it look easy because he's Josh, but it's never easy. And then you go away to Baltimore, back-to-back away games, always tough. Pittsburgh, always good defense. They're not good this year on both sides of the ball. And now they're rolling a rookie into the Ralph this Sunday. So Sean McDermott feels like he's going to feast. Like this Bills team is going to feast as they usually do on rookie quarterbacks. And then going to Kansas City, of course. So three and three seemed well in, in the I'm okay zone. Four and two would have been great. Three and three I was okay with because they can really run the table after after the bye week, after Green Bay. Really easy schedule. And it still is. So the fact that they're three and one after the first month is very good. And I think it shows how the preseason hype of this team was not unwarranted. So with the first month being wrapped up, I went on my spiel, and again, doing the solo, so kind of weird. I don't know if this is going well. I'll re-listen to it and probably hate all of it, because I can't play off someone, as I usually do. Just play off you listeners. But we got to bring the witty. Now Tony usually brings the witty. I'll, I'll try to pick up where Tony would this week. First month of the season wraps up, so let's do our first month of the season witty awards. Our first award is the Fillion, of course, named after... The greatest actor of our generation, Mr. Nathan Fillion, the Firefly himself, the castle, the rookie, Nathan Fillion. This award, of course, goes to the best rookie, and it's Kyrie Elam. It's got to be Kyrie Elam. Yes, Christian Bedford started. (laughs) Christian Bedford started over him week one. But ever since Kyrie Elam has seen significant snaps, ever since Dane Jackson got hurt and Kyrie Elam has had to step in, and not be just in a split rotation. He has been nothing but exceptional. Everything a first round player should be. And more. This past week against the Ravens, 43 snaps, coverage snaps, passing downs, zero reception, zero yards allowed. Last week against the Dolphins, the best one two wide receiver tandem in the league in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Last week, two catches for 10 yards he gave up. He has been absolutely what we hope for and more in a number one pick. And I said that, and I said that at the start of the year. Just because he's not starting, it's not time to hit the panic button. The kid has the pedigree, father, uncle, has the pedigree, has the intellect, giant, mean girls, burn book style (laughs) notebook he gives to McDermott and Bean at the combine. He has the intellect, taking notes on every receiver, what they do, what he did wrong, how he can improve. And he has the motivation. You don't think the guy, as a first-round rookie, is motivated by the fact that a sixth-round rookie is starting over him? He was going to be just fine. Just had a gut feeling. Just based on those three pillars, he was going to be just fine. Fast forward three weeks later, he's more than fine. He's very good. When Tredavious White comes back, that is a scary combination at cornerback. If Tredavious White can come back to the level we know Tredavious White can play at an all-pro level, a shutdown corner level. That one-two punch with Kyrie Elam, that's scary if you're an opposing offense. You have Von Miller, one of the all-time best 
getting in the quarterback, one of the all-time leaders in sacks. You have a young stud on the other side in Gregory Rousseau, second in the league in sacks. Improves every single week. You have two very, very good linebackers at the next level. And then behind them in the secondary, you have two shutdown corners, an all-pro in Jordan Poyer. And I know Micah Hyde's not coming back this year, but if and when he does next year, man, that is, that's going to be something to watch. This defense has given him zero points in the second half in three of the four games this year. I mean, that number could be tenfold. And math doesn't work out. But this defense could be very, very good. They are very, very good. And one of the big reasons is the play of Kyrie Elam. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com had him ranked 21st out of all the rookies. And this is what he said about Kyrie Elam. This was posted this week. Elam is rarely out of position. Good start. He hasn't had many opportunities to make plays on the ball, but he is getting the job done. Record scratch, pause, whatever. He hasn't had many opportunities to make plays on the ball. That's a good thing. That's what you want in a cornerback. The fact that he hasn't had many opportunities to make plays on the ball means the ball isn't getting thrown his way, which in turn means very good coverage. The fact that he's ranked 21 is a little silly. It's almost like Josh being ranked 13 in the NFL Top 100. But you can't say he hasn't had the opportunity to make plays on the ball when the ball isn't getting thrown his way because his coverage is so good. You can't say it. So Kyrie Elam has been the best rookie on this team the first month of the year. And that's taking nothing away from Christian Benford. He's been very good as well. But uh, Kyrie Elam has been extremely impressive, despite what Daniel Jeremiah has to say. Uh, Our next award, uh, the Stevie. The SJ-13, Stevie Swag, Stevie Styles, the coolest, one of the coolest guys of the Bills drought era. He really paved the way for the swagger and coolness that this current team has. Stevie was the OG. So there's a lot of things that surprised me about Stevie. The fact that he was a seventh-round rookie out of Kentucky. Not only did he make the team, but to have the impact he did, to have the chemistry he had with Fitz. He's one of my favorite players to watch growing up. He was one of a kind on those teams. A guy who made you laugh, like charisma, who was really good on the field and had the stats to back it up to boot. And the fact that he even made the team as a, as a rookie. Many people give seventh round, six, whatever he was in, later round draftees a chance. Stevie not only got a chance, but he made an impact. So this award is the Stevie, and it's going to be the biggest surprise on the team. And I'm going to go with, Greg Rousseau's dominant. I mentioned it earlier how Greg Rousseau has taken that next step to being one of, if not the best young pass rushers in the league. And it's not like a crazy eye popping watching on TV, like, man, Greg Rousseau is dominant. Look at the bend, look at the speed off the snap kind of guy. He is one of the more complete defensive ends in this league. Yeah, you see guys who are bendy and quick twitchy and get to the quarterback and but they're not good in run support. Greg Rousseau is very good at defending the run. And now he has the pass rushing, thanks to being under the tutelage of one Von Miller, the pass rushing ability. So he's the most, in my opinion, This is, it might sound a little homerish of me, but Greg Rousseau's dominance has been a huge surprise. No sophomore slump for Greg Rousseau. He's tied for second in the entire NFL with five sacks. League leader, Nick Bosa from the Niners with six. Nick Bosa has 123 pass rush snaps. Greg Rousseau, 88. Greg Rousseau, if he had 123 pass rush snaps, might have eight sacks right now. And that means 11 
that means every 12, 11, 12, 13 snaps, Greg Rousseau is getting a snap a sack. That's crazy. If you look deeper into the advanced analytics, it's just as impressive. Second in pass rush win rate as per PFF. The length is, as I said before, an asset. Special kind of ability that he can use that many players don't have the luxury of using. To be that tall, to be that quick in tandem with the height is a recipe for disaster for opposing quarterbacks, for opposing offense. Greg Rousseau's dominance has been the biggest surprise because you just kind of crossed your fingers, right? Yeah, he was good last year, fell off a little as a rookie, had that really good game against Kansas City where he won player of the week, and then kind of pop up here or there, but didn't make the splash plays that he was the first month of the year throughout the season. This year, every week, every week he's doing, he's making plays, consistency, something we don't usually get from defensive edge draft picks of the Sean McDermott era. I'm looking at A.J. Panessa. A.J. Panessa has been pretty solid this year. Consistent, eh, still working on it. But Greg Rousseau has been consistently dominant. And that's why he wins the Stevie, the biggest surprise of the year. Next award, the Whaley. No, this isn't for the biggest fish in the pond. This is the Whaley because this is the award we aren't privy to in terms of how disappointed we are in this player. Of course, Doug Whaley famously is not privy to anything in discussion going on in his offices or anywhere. He's also not privy to trading up for a wide receiver who probably shouldn't have been traded up for in a super deep wide receiver draft as he did with Sammy Watkins. And of course, it led to kind of being disappointed in Sammy Watkins as a Bills fan. There's a lot of expectations there. So the Whaley, as a player, we are not privy to how disappointed we are. And it's got to go to James Cook. James Cook has a second round pick this year out of Georgia. A lot of promise. Again, we talked about the pedigree. With Kyer Elam, James Cook's brother is one of the best running backs in the league in Dalvin Cook. Just the pedigree alone. Yeah, he made a lot of nice plays in Georgia. Ever since the pick was made, it's kind of an eyebrow raiser. You hear James Cook speak, you learn about him. Doesn't seem like he has the personality that Sean McDermott looks for, that Brandon Bean looks for. Doesn't have the same personality as a Kyer Elam, who's handing leather-bound books to Brandon Bean. Like, James Cook is was, probably still is, a non-emotional guy. A guy you're wondering if he's even happy. A guy you're wondering if he cares about football. We didn't see any emotion from him. When he was drafted, he was stone-faced. He didn't cry. He didn't pump. He was just kind of in the moment. And that's okay. I'm not taking anything away from him. But I just always wondered like how this personality would mesh with this team. And none of it ever mattered, right? The guy could be a real Debbie Downer. And it didn't matter as long as he's scoring touchdowns, as long as he's producing on the field. But fast forward four months from the draft, and every chance he gets on the field, he's not producing. He's kind of being disappointed. Yeah, the the sample size is extremely small because he's not getting the snap count. Week one against the Rams, fumble in the doghouse right away. First carry of his professional career. Not a great way to start your professional career. And I'm sure it's carried on here three weeks later. But he's had intermittent opportunities to impress the blood against the Titans. I thought he was good against third, fourth stringers, which is fine. Get the guy his reps while you can. Perfectly okay. This past week against the Ravens. Then for two snaps, uh, one was a design screen to him. His bread and butter. With the reason they drafted him. The reason they wanted J.D. McKissick. And when they didn't get J.D. McKissick, they went out and got Duke Johnson as an insurance. And then they drafted James Cook. Like, there was... Clear as day, 
the type of running back Ken Dorsey wanted for this offense when they went after Janie McKissick and it fell through. James Cook was supposed to be that guy. Maybe he is. Maybe he still is. We don't know. Young, still a lot of career left for James Cook. But so far, one month into the season, extremely disappointing. And there's a reason probably he was second string, third string at Georgia behind guys like Zamir White because maybe he just have something. Maybe we're seeing that. Maybe we're seeing that on the field right now. Again, just like I mentioned with Tremaine Edmonds earlier, his success is nothing but good for the Bills. He's positioned to be their back of the future. They kind of need him to be good sooner rather than later. Maybe not right away. But towards the end of this year, you would expect James Cook to be making a significant impact on this offense. For the first month of the year, we haven't seen. There's still a lot of time. He's still young. Still a lot of career for the kid left. Gotta start making. Gotta start taking advantage of his chance. And he just hasn't. Moving on, our next award, the Leotis. Not for anyone putting the X's up, but this is the What Did He Say Award for the best sound clip of the year so far. And we're going to give this one to Isaiah McKenzie. Week two, the face of the franchise versus the Titans. Isaiah is quoted as saying, pregame in the huddle with the playmakers, as they're called. Not receivers, not running backs, but playmakers. Isaiah is quoted as saying, turn me up. It's Monday, not Sunday, not Friday, not Saturday. It's our day. Well, he's right. It's Monday, Monday night opener. But the order after that is is a little strange from Isaiah, if I do say so myself. Not Sunday. Okay. Good start. Correct start. Most NFL games are played on Sundays. It's not Sunday either. So factually, very correct. It's Monday, not Sunday. But then he jumps to Friday. The only other day NFL games are played on, at least early in this season, while college football is still going on, is Thursday. So you think he'd say Thursday, not Sunday, not Thursday. But no, he says not Friday. He says Saturday next, not Friday though. Interesting. Games aren't ever played on Friday, ever. So why would they care if it's not Friday? It's usually a practice day, maybe a walkthrough day to get prepared for your game Sunday typically. And it's not Saturday either. So factually, he is correct. It's Monday. It's not Sunday. It's not Friday. It's not Saturday. But the order he presents these days, what's a little curious to me, and there's a lot of talk about concussion. No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> not going to go there this year because that is a that button topic to say the least. But Isaiah is always good for a sound clip. There's another sound clip when he was mic'd up week two about one of the offensive linemen, don't know who, not named specifically, stepping on his toes. And as one of the smallest players on the team, gotta imagine that hurts. Gotta imagine that's a tough look for Isaiah. People don't see him stepping on his toes. So <laughs> Isaiah's always good for a laugh, and he's a great guy as well. I've met him a few times doing events, always willing to take a picture with the fans, always out there with the crowd, man of the people, Isaiah McKenzie is. But he gets the Leotis for, what did he say? Best soundbite of the first month of the year. Our next award, the Co. Named after, of course, Co Simpson, who famously stated, I'm Co Simpson of the Buffalo Bills. I'm worth millions of dollars. As he was charged with hindering police. Who hinders? Nobody hinders anymore. Unless you're doing a guest spot on Dateline with Chris Hansen. Why don't you have a seat? Nobody hinders Co Simpson. How do you get arrested for hindering? But this award is named the Co because Co Simpson is worth millions of dollars. At least he used to be. So who is earning that paycheck? Who is earning their millions of dollars? Who's worth their paycheck? And it's got to go to the franchise. It's got to go to J17, the chosen one, the prince who was promised. I'm give him so many nicknames. It's not even funny. Joshua Patrick Allen, Fireball Zone, 
was one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, worth every single penny. He has been surgical in his command of this offense this year. Add in a new wrinkle, a lot of pre-snap motion in the past, a lot of play action in the past. Dorsey has him primarily working on a shotgun and a lot of quick hits, a lot of high reads, a lot of quick hits. Get the ball in receiver's hands, yards after catch. Some new emphasis or emphasizing new things this year in Josh Allen. He's been completely adaptable. Every week he makes four, five jaw-dropping plays. How did he avoid that sack? How did he make that throw? Sidearm, whatever. How did he muster up the the leaping ability or the truck stick ability to just get that first down? He's a generational talent. Like We're truly watching something special right before our eyes. And that something special plays for the Buffalo Bills. Could have been 31 other teams he played for. But he plays for the team that we have cheered whole lives. And that is maybe a stroke of luck, destiny, fate, whatever you want to call it. But he is earning every single penny of that $258 million check. And you look at his stats this year. Over 1,200 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, completion percentage of 68%. Doing it on the ground as well, 180-ish yards rushing so far this year. Completion percentage, like I said, second highest of his career, highest being two years ago when he was at 69%. He's on pace for over 5,000 yards, 40-plus touchdowns. Josh Allen was the Vegas favorite for MVP all throughout the offseason. And I think all that hype, just like the Bills' Super Bowl hype, was completely warranted. He is a special, special player. You never once feel out of the game with Josh Allen at the helm for so long through the drought years, especially with Tyrod. Tyrod was really the one where I'm just always like, just give me one drive, Tyrod. We can win this game. Defense is holding up. One drive and you win this game. He can never do it or could rarely do it. Did it in Tennessee, I think. Rarely did it. Josh Allen, almost like the opposite. He almost like, take a drive off. They can score at will. It's such a breath of fresh air to have a, not only a modernized offense, but an offense that's probably ahead of the league in its mentality and its scheme and its approach to a modern offense. And at the helm is the perfect quarterback for that mentality. Guy with a rocket arm can make any throw, is a gazelle of a human being, slippery in the backfield, improvisational when plays break down. Everything the Bills could hope for more with Josh Allen and his evolution and his growth. He easily, easily gets the co. And what an honor, right? Josh Allen, Co. Simpson, two Buffalo greats. Co. really could have took the mantle. Wrote a new chapter for the Simpson last name. Couldn't do it. Josh Allen's writing his own chapter as the only chapter of the last name Allen. Their final award, the Witty Not Award, named after this fine podcast. And that's for the funniest moment of the first month. The Witty Not Award for funniest moment of the first month. And that is easy easy choice. If there was a room of 10 voters for this award, all 10 would be giving it to this this instant. And of course, it's Ken Dorsey losing his cool after the Miami game. Throwing the paper, throwing the tablet. It's like he was the dorky kid in science class who got caught cheating on his exam. He just wouldn't accept it. The teacher claims he was cheating. No, I'm not. You must be thinking of someone else. And then when the teacher doesn't budge, just loses his shit. Throwing papers, breaking pencils, throwing tablets, props, 
to whoever it was, we may never know, to the mystery hand that covered the camera while Ken Dorsey was throwing his tantrum. What a heads-up play. You think Gabe Davis in the wildcard game two years ago against the Colts, toe-tapping on the sideline in the final drive in the first half? He did voice in that drive. You think that was clutch? The guy putting his hand in front of the camera as Ken Dorsey's losing his mind? We haven't seen clutch like that maybe ever. Very, very funny moment. And we were we were ready for it. We should have been ready for it. All through the offseason, Ken Dorsey's a mystery. First time offensive coordinator. We don't really know him. He hasn't really spoken to the media yet. First time he gets in front of the camera, the first time the players are asked about him, they talk about his fire. They talk about his passion. Talk about maybe he's a little psychotic. Ken Dorsey laughs it off, but the psychos always laugh it off, right? But Ken Dorsey is a little psychotic. Everyone's like, oh, this is going to be a stain on him. He's going to be a meme for the rest of his life. Who cares? I loved it. I love the passion. I love when coaches show passion, show fire like that. Are mad that they lost, as they should be. The players should be mad they lost. The coaches should be mad. That- if it means throwing papers and breaking tablets, fine by me. Show some kind of emotion. You look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, moving from Bruce Arians and Darth Vader-like radio fanny pack thing to a literal robot. You want to talk about emotion? Tom Bowles needs to be well-oiled and plugged in before he shows any emotion. The man is a robot. I would hate watching that every single week. My team's faltering. Patrick Mahomes is playing NFL street out here against my defense, and I'm just stoned. Oh, I would hate that. I'm a big soccer guy, as listeners of the podcast. No, I bring up periodically. U.S. soccer national team used to have a coach, Bruce Arians. Never showed him. Never. Just stone fake. Do you even care? Do you even know what's going on, or are you just here collecting a paycheck? I can't stand that. As a fan, pay my hard-earned money to watch this team, to go to games, to buy merch. I care. That's how I care. I want my coaches to care too. I want them to show emotion. I want them to be mad when something doesn't go there. So McDermott falls into this category sometimes too, where I'm kind of mad at his reactions, how he presents himself, the clapping primarily. Everything's going wrong. Be clapping, Sean. Stop clapping. Get pissed. Lay into someone. Show some fire. Don't clap. Learn how to challenge a correct. No, that's nitpicking. But I, mean, I loved it. I love Ken Dorsey losing his cool after the Miami game. It was fantastic. I think it's going to set the tone for the rest of the season. It already did. It already did. You think that heaved off the Bill Nye looking mother effer after the Miami game and after the first half of the Ravens game? You think the players saw that after the first half of the Ravens game? We're like, hey, we don't want another Miami incident. We got to change our ways. Yeah, I think they did. Get on the second half on fire. I don't want another Ken Dorsey blow up. I don't think the players do either, but that was definitely the funniest moment of the first month. That Miami game was just funny in general. The butt punt, we got Tua, not that that's funny, but, you know, Tua's issue. That was just a weird game. Weird is probably a better way. to. So those are our first month awards for the bill. We'll revisit it in month two, see where we're at, see if new players are eligible, see if we're giving the award to the same players. Who knows? But let's wrap up this episode. That sound you hear? That's the sound of opening up a refreshing cold one on a hot summer day. And you know what's keeping my drink cold, listeners? A quality koozie from Traveling Growler. Follow them on Instagram and check out www.travelinggrowler.com for all their cool designs. Keep the chill in your fill and travel in style with Traveling Growler. Now back to the show. Thank you to our sponsor, of course, Traveling Growler. www.travelinggrowler.com. Koozie starting at just $5. Best month of the year. October. Football. College football. NFL. 
NHL starting next week to get some Sabres talk going. NBA starting soon. MLB playoffs. Premier League soccer. Best month. Find that special spot on the couch. Grab your favorite drink. Put it in a traveling growler koozie. You will not be disappointed. You will say thank you, Matt, for suggesting this great product. Shop local, support local, www.travelinggrowler.com, t-shirt store, teespring.com. You can find all our apparel at our t-shirt store. I shouldn't call it a t-shirt store because we have hoodies, long sleeve, crew neck sweatshirts. We have everything. Search Way Not Funny, teespring.com. Search Way Not Funny, all one word. Support the podcast. Show your support. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, And you get a great talking piece. Tailgates, viewing parties. You're going to be the talk talk of your party. Everyone's going to be wanting or wondering at least where you got that t-shirt and wanting to buy one themselves. Where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast, of course, on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, search Built in Buffalo, search Witty Not Funny, all one word. If you like us, leave us a review, subscribe. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. And we truly mean that. I greatly appreciate it because I'm doing this solo. You're probably like, this guy is bad at this. So if you listen to this episode, I greatly appreciate it. Trust me. But anywhere you find packets to listen to for free, search Way Not Funny, search Built in Buffalo, dropping every Friday on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Twitter handles, you can find Tony at Tony Ambrose, just his name, straight, simple, easy. Give him a follow and follow the podcast at Woody Sports 716 on Twitter, Instagram, Woody Not Funny Sports, TikTok, Facebook page. Give us a follow. We love connecting with the Bills, Mafia, the Sabre Swords people, the Buffalo Sports community. We'll follow back. Love connecting with our fans. Join the Witty Nation. Hit that follow button. And that's it. Tony would have some existential, maybe life-changing, if you will. Not to put it on a pedestal, but life-changing send-off statement. I just keep it simple. I say go Bills and stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Later. Sean is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It, it, it kind of looks like a football, actually. It, Thank you for that. Stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.